Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. what it's season two. Ah, it's season two of cancer for breakfast hi um hi it's me tabitha applebottom and um my co-host jennifer margarello uh <laughs> thank you to amy and steph for season one we are new people uh it's a totally different people just kidding it's it's just us i'm sorry um it's, hi steph hi amy it i hope they're not disappointed well, I, I know. I hope they didn't turn it off because they were like, we don't want new hosts. <laughs> um, no, we wouldn't ever do that to you. We would not. We'd have to get different people drawn on the logo. <laughs> That's, that would be way too expensive. <laughs> do you guys know how much we spent on that that cover art for our podcast yeah. from that famous artist who drew us? Yeah. Zero dollars. You don't want to know. <laughs> um, Steph is married to a legend in the art world (laughs) in the the middle school graphic design world (laughs) that's right that's right yeah season two yeah of of this shit right here yeah we're here and we've taken a little bit of time off Mm -hmm. uh we've been doing some stuff behind the scenes yes um this new season is going to be just ever so slightly different. Um, but we are geared up to be popping them out. So if you've been wondering why we've been slacking off and you haven't had a new episode in a few weeks, don't worry. They're going to be coming rapid fire at you again. That's right. That's right. Right. What are some changes, stuff? Oh, we've got some ads happening, which I hope people are not annoyed by. No, they're not. They get it. We've been so selective, though, and I feel proud that we can take on sponsorships that really mean something to us and to our audience. And um, yeah, we're limiting them. You know, we're being careful. Of course. And we will never, ever do an ad for anything that we think wouldn't benefit somebody to know about and we also know that our listeners are smart enough to do their own research on anything that we would suggest or take money from but we're shysty so exactly no shysters Mm -hmm. but it will make it uh, possible for us to work on this more because we'll get a little bit of dough and expand which we are doing we have some things in the works amy you're starting a metastatic support group yeah in portland cancer for breakfast club in portland yeah it's kind of aimed at quote unquote younger metastatic breast cancer folks which you know is a relative term but for breast cancer you know 20s 30s we're talking 40s gen x 50s zennials millennials gen y yeah there's kind of nothing that i know of that's really like that in my local scene in Portland, Oregon. And I just know through 
the grapevine that there have been a lot of people diagnosed through this stupid pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's my pleasure to connect people with each other because it's so helpful. Um, but yeah, but if you know someone or are someone, just email us and I can give you the info. It's going to be a monthly meeting. Um, and cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Yeah. What else, Steph? We had a lot of interest in our Facebook support group. And one thing that we found was lacking is support for caregivers. Yeah. We really wanted our Facebook group to be a safe place for cancer people themselves. Mm -hmm. But caregivers have such a huge need for support and camaraderie, too. And so we are starting Cancer for Breakfast Club Caregivers. Yeah. So we, we're always denying. We're always denying caregivers from our <laughs> Facebook group. But it does come up. And I love stuff that you thought of this idea. And it's also freaking Caregivers Month. That's right. Like that. Do you know? Yeah, it is. Caregivers Awareness Month. Everything <laughs> has to be, we have to be as aware. It can't just be a month. It has to be awareness. Um, so, yeah. So, we're so aware of you that you may join a Facebook group to meet other caregivers. So, just search for Cancer for Breakfast Club Caregivers. And of course, our Cancer People Facebook group is crying in my nightgown. So, yeah. Here we are. That's that's it, right? Those are our updates. Those are our updates, I think. Um, we're just offering support up the yin-yang, you know? Yinger, dinger, dang. <laughs> um, also, this episode, we're not going to do letters. We always do letters. But as we're gearing up for season two, we're just going to have one of those random ass episodes. With that in mind, send us letters for our future episodes, we have some in the bank. We have our next episode all done, ready to bring out to y'all. But I feel like we, during the second half of season one, we got very into themed episodes. Mm -hmm. So we would be like, send us letters if X, Y, Z. But all of our random letters kind of stopped coming in. And I really loved yeah. those early on where it would just kind of be whatever somebody was going through or specific stories or issues they were having with somebody in their life whatever you know yeah so just send us random ass shit you know please do and sometimes the letters would come in all on a, like a few on a theme and then we could tailor a whole episode around it because it was like an issue that wasn't on our radar yet but yeah um some people need a prompt and that's totally cool but if you mm -hmm. are a person who just wants to vent at us or share a story or whatever please do we don't need you to write on a theme yeah. I mean, it could have to do with cancer if you, you know. Yeah. I mean, make it a little bit. Of, I'm just kidding. If you want to trash talk some lady in the pickup line at your kid's school, I will accept that <laughs> also. I we may, might not read it on the on the podcast, but we will write you back. <laughs> <laughs> true. True facts. <gasps> yeah. Um, OK. What's going on, Seth? Um, what is going on? Well, um, we're working hard, working away on, on the podcast. I am uh, going into this second season with my cancer vastly decreased, which is fucking yes. a nice place yes. to be. Um, I'm doing Girl. so well, in fact, that my oncologist took a leave of absence. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. It was like, goodbye. <laughs> You texted me. You were like, you sent me uh, 
just like a what the hell is going on what could it be and then we were just completely like is she on vacation is she too stressed out is the job too much is she on a sabbatical but um yeah and then like like a true creeper i just texted her (laughs) i was like i hope you're okay she she responded and said she's okay but um she didn't tell you she she didn't didn't tell me she didn't you know it's okay she's gotta she's gotta maintain professionality professionalism whatever lady it's all right um well she's doing a great job with you so she can take all the time she needs she's earned it she's earned it we don't need her (laughs) yeah so today actually is my two-year anniversary from my surgery to remove my cancer so if you're somebody that counts that as the day you're cancer free even though i did chemo after it but What's hilarious, it's just so hilarious, is I saw my surgeon yesterday (laughs) for like the first time since Mm -hmm. my post-op appointments with him. Like some people see their surgical oncologists like for so many more times, but because I just lumpectomied it, he kind of was like, okay, bye, you're fine. Um, But anyways, picture it, you guys. I'm feeling my boob which I realize I do all the time at home you know like self breast exam I'm such a paranoid little freak now that I'll just be like walking around the kitchen just casually like (laughs) on either side in my armpit limp toes just walking around and I'm like I don't even realize that I'm doing it I'm just doing it all the time anyway I was doing that one day and then like I felt a little thing on my skin on my cancer side And I was like, and then I was like in the bath later and felt it again. And it's just like this little tiny little bump, not a lump, but like on my skin, Uh but underneath the skin. And, you know, I'm in the bath and I'm like, well, if I squeeze it and anything comes out, that's a huge red flag. But there won't be anything like any sort of discharge in my nipple. So, like, I'm just going to squeeze it for peace of mind. But there will not be anything. So I squeeze it and a tiny little drop came out of my No! Dun, dun, dun. So, of course, y'all know me. If you spent any time with season one, I was like, I'm a goner. (laughs) Um, So, of course, I call my oncologist. I write my oncologist and a nurse calls me back and is like, yeah, she's not concerned. It's not recurrence. This is something you need to see your surgeon about. And I'm like, Oh, so all the like, if you have skin changes or nipple discharge, see us immediately doesn't apply to having skin changes and nipple discharge. You know, like I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay. so you're changing your story. Are you Ashley? Yeah. Nice. What what school did you go to? <laughs> Show me your credentials, <laughs> oncologist. Um, so I was just like, whatever, I'll go see my surgeon because it's almost our two year anniversary. And I want to show him how fucked up my boob looks. You needed Look what you did to me. <laughs> um, no, but um, it was actually really nice to see him. I really do love my surgeon. He's super, super awesome. Um, did you draw? Was, did you draw like a little um, birthday hat or something on your <laughs> on your boob and <laughs> throw confetti when he started the exam? I did. I and I did bring a nice, you know, a merlot to to share and 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 do a little cheers for our anniversary um yeah and but he also was great he reassured me that it was normal and blah 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 i don't need to go into it all but 
we're not concerned. And um, but I do get to get an MRI because it was funny. He's like showing me all of my slides from all of the different scans I've had. And he was just like, memories <laughs> like the quarters of my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, basically he was like. So you haven't had an MRI in a year. Let's just get you an MRI. He's like, not because I'm concerned, but because there is a lot going on in your breast. And I was like, okay, now I'm concerned. (laughs) So when you say there's a lot going on, but what he meant was so many changes from treatment, from my two surgeries, from my seroma healing, from my breast density changing through hormones from yeah. radiation, all of this stuff. And he's like, it is so vastly different than before any of this. And they are dense and da, 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 da. And so he basically was like, we need another baseline, but I'm not concerned. Yeah, exactly. He was very reassuring. But I still was just like, you damn weirdos with the, you're fine. You know, <laughs> what is this? Um, but yeah, but he explained to me like the difference between worrisome discharge and normal people stuff and whatever. Anyway, so that's, that's what's up with my fright, fright night of a life, (laughs) of a reality. Well, I'm glad it was nothing. I knew it was going to be nothing, but got to keep checking it out. That's quit acting like my doctor's stuff. (laughs) You know, I like to validate your fear first and then reassure. Thank you so much. Ooh, um, what else is going on? How's everybody's health doing other than cancer? Your um, physical activity? I bit the bullet, although I did not bite it all the way. Mm-hmm. I did not go the Peloton route, but I did get an exercise bike. Me too. That has a screen and everything and a subscription. We're on it. We're doing it. We are doing it because it doesn't matter what I do. I just keep gaining weight from these goddamn Mm -hmm. hormone pills. I know. It's so hard. So I'm going to keep trying to stay active through the rainy ass months Mm -hmm. in the Pacific Northwest when I don't want to go walking around my neighborhood. Can I just say I had my in-person support group last week and a gal from our crying and my night young group came and she said during her share, not that I will ever tell anybody's private share, but she did say she had started running because of our podcast, because we had been talking about physical activity and stuff. And I was like, that's so awesome. I wish I did that. (laughs) I can safely say that is the first and only time in my life I will ever inspire someone to run. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. In that episode where we were talking about trying to keep each other and our listeners accountable for staying active, there was some like Peloton like is it really even that good? Can't you just get a new spin bike? I mean, but, you know, mm-hmm. and then I got a Peloton like two yep. weeks later. So you did. You did. <laughs> and do you love it? It is great. Yeah. See, I do, but I don't even use it as often as I need to be. I'm really trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I used it like two days ago. And if I use it today, I guess that's a good thing, right? It is. I had been taking my daughter to work like 
Tell my daughter to work. <laughs> she she works. Um, she's three. She's at the the factory, um, putting you know screws into refrigerators <laughs> with her tiny little fingers. <laughs> yes. Um, no, to preschool, I would drop her off, and then I'd go run around the track slash that means walk every day. And then I bought the Peloton and I was like, well, I don't need to wear my workout clothes to drop her off because I'm going to come home and do the Peloton. And then I would come home and not do the Peloton. So I actually (laughs) started exercising less when I got the bike because I stopped walking. And I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm psycho. What are you going to do? That's a great ad for Peloton, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we said we were going to do ads. Thank you, Peloton. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Okay. I have a question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. You posted something, an article that I want you to talk about because I actually didn't get to read it, but I I have some of the context about it, but this is some fucked up shit. I love that our podcast will expose (laughs) fucked up things and we are about to lay one on you unless you already read the article that actually exposed it. What the fuck is going on with St. Jude's? Oh, the children's hospital. Okay, so there was this extraordinarily well-reported article in ProPublica about St. Jude's and how they are hoarding their money. They have over $5 billion (gasps) in reserves. Billion! $5 billion. (gasps) They could operate at their current level without another single donation for four years. Oh, And this... Is shocking just in and of itself. But the article goes into families' stories of people sleeping in the St. Jude's parking lot because St. Jude's mm-hmm. will only put up one parent. Is that a pandemic thing or is that just that across is the board? Across the board. They will okay. only put one parent up in their housing facilities. That is crazy. They only offered a very meager food stipend for families. St. Jude's is really being sticklers about their rule that they will only pay for travel if you live 500 plus miles away from their facility. Mm-hmm. And all of this, like on its surface, for any other hospital would be pretty normal. You know, like they're their packages would sound really generous, except for the fact that their marketing explicitly says no family will ever pay for travel, food, housing. Mm. No family ever gets a bill. And so they definitely have marketed themselves as this Shangri-La for pediatric Mm -hmm. cancer patients when the fact is that people are going into deep debt. They're losing their houses. They're losing their jobs because St. Jude's does not provide what they say they are going to provide. Meanwhile, they have $5 billion in resources that they're sitting on um, while families are are losing their homes to travel to treatment. And um, one thing that I really took away from the article was there was one kid whose family went into this deep debt. Um, and they lived far enough away that it was a real hardship for them to get to St. Jude's. Mm -hmm. But it turned out they could have gotten the exact same treatment at their closest hospital. Mm. So we think of St. Jude's as this place where, you know, they're doing cutting edge research. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are treatments available there that aren't available anywhere else. And the fact of the matter is that NCI designated hospitals exist all over the country, and a lot of them are able to provide the exact same treatments. So what Mm. might work for some people even is to go to St. Jude's for a consult and get a treatment plan and then move back to your home and access the same care there. Yeah. But unfortunately, people think that these are treatment options only available at St. Jude's, and so they're upending their entire lives. Their kids are out of school. They're, um, you know, there was a family in the article that ProPublica put out that it was a single mom. She had left her two kids with a family friend while she went to live at St. Jude's with her child because they wouldn't Mm -hmm. put up the other children in their housing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so thankfully, because I think in part of this ProPublica article, St. Jude's has changed some of their guidelines and some of their offerings. So they increased their food stipend. They are now allowing two parents to stay. But still. Oh, in response to the article? Well, they didn't say that it was directly in response to the article, but things have changed since the Mm -hmm. article came out. So, um. You know, it just goes to show what good journalism can do and reveal, because I think that we all have this idea of St. Jude's based on their marketing. And it's not true. Yeah. And if your child has cancer, you will do anything, literally anything. And you want the best of the best of the best. And if you've just been told over and over and over, this is the best of the best. And here's financial help to get here, although it's going to cost you X amount. And here are all these other rules. You're going to be like, I don't care. I don't care. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. God. And one thing, too, that uh, I I don't think people really consider is that um, it's not like these doctors are working for free or something like the the donations are not what's funding the research and care. St. Jude's has liaisons that meet with every single family mm-hmm. and they get you insured if you don't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. And of course, they bill your health insurance if you are insured. Right. And so they're getting reimbursements from insurance companies mm-hmm. at a very normal rate, the same rate as any other hospital. Yeah. And so the fact that they're sitting on this hoard of billions of dollars is just inexcusable. Wow. And so they're like a big time research hospital Yet they have that much money. Yeah. And you're saying donations don't go to research. So all of that money, what are they doing with this money? Well, some donations do go to research. But when you consider that they're getting reimbursed for services at the same rate as any other hospital who doesn't have this huge marketing campaign, this huge Mm -hmm. fundraising campaign. I will, of course, link the ProPublica article in our show notes. But the graph that compares St. Jude's to all of the other top 10 pediatric cancer hospitals is Mm -hmm. astounding. The amount of money that they pull in is like 10 times what any other pediatric cancer facility is working with. And (sighs) they all still manage to be NCI designated. They still manage to have groundbreaking research. You know, it's just we've moved into this different era of oncology where there's research being done all over the country, all over the world. And you can't mislead the public with these like sappy, sad commercials if you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. 
Man, think of all the funding they could provide for other hospitals that are doing pediatric cancer stuff too. Right. So that more people locally could do stuff. And in the long run, they could help more kids. And man, I love how our podcast has like <laughs> exposed such like, you know, like we're like Susan Komen, <laughs> American Cancer Society, St. Jude's. Like what's next? Like think of anything else that from the outside you're like Santa Claus. We're t- <laughs> We already went after the fucking Easter money in our Halloween episode. (laughs) Oh, man. And we only like child labor and we hate everything. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We're fair. I think we're tough, but fair. We are tough, but fair. Jesus. Louises. Thanks, Steph. That was like a bonus rats. That felt a little bit on the spot ratsy. You didn't even know I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. You know, I... I love journalism. I love good journalism. And so I will talk about it any day of the week. I posted in the Facebook group about it. Like, please, somebody geek out with me about this. Yeah. Because it was just so well reported. And I think that, like, that's the beauty of good journalism is it can affect change. And I'm grateful for ProPublica doing all of that work because obviously it did. It called them out. It called St. Jude's out and they made some changes based on it. So way to go. Yeah. Way to go. And also do better. Still. Yeah, for real, for real. An open letter to cancer survivors everywhere. Dear survivor, you endured the unthinkable, and we see your strength because of it. Stay healthy, stay strong, with the help of Myriad Genetics MyRisk. MyRisk is a simple test that can help determine your risk of a new, primary, or secondary malignancy and your risk of developing other hereditary cancers. It can even help your family members determine their risk, too. Get started at myriad.com slash survivor. Okay, so if, if our listeners can take it, you have a whole second knowledge bomb to drop on you with the real rats based on something that I brought up in an episode that we actually had to cut. Um... But you did some research and found out interesting stuff about it that I don't even know. But what I brought up just to put it back into an episode, does that work? Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned um, that my friend had told me that they are finding that women are being diagnosed with ADHD at higher rates who have gone through chemotherapy after chemo. So, um as you might know, girls are are typically diagnosed less frequently than boys in elementary school or at ages where mm-hmm. boys are normally diagnosed growing up in childhood because girls they have found are like better at masking ADHD symptoms, finding tools to kind of work around their shortcomings and balancing and hiding Thing. I don't know. There's yeah. a whole list of reasons that you can imagine. Yep. So a lot of times later in life, you do kind of put two and two together or find out more about ADHD and say, actually, that is me. And then you get diagnosed. But they're finding, and you will tell me in rats if I'm wrong or not. And this is all just from my friend. This is not me actually knowing if this is true or not. Mm-hmm. My friend said they're finding that after chemo, you know, Sometimes we experience something called chemo brain, which many doctors don't believe is real, mm-hmm. which is weird. But it makes it harder for you to 
balance everything. So you you're getting diagnosed with ADHD because things do come crashing down after chemo where you can't mask the things that you've had your whole life, but you maybe didn't even realize you're masking. So you maybe had these ways of dealing with like remembering dates or coming back to something to work, you know, that once your brain is so pushed to the limits, you start dropping a few balls. And then it's just like, it's that moment where you're like, wait a minute, I can't do anything. And then the doctor tells you, but am I explaining what I said? Right. You are. Yeah, you are. So, um, it's so interesting to have done the research to hear you talk about it that way. So anyway, hit hit us with our rats theme song and I'll move on. Okay. Okay, so um, this is a teaser sort of for our next episode, which is about recurrence fears. And one thing that people, what? The thing. Oh. (laughs) One thing that we, as you said, deal with when we're in that survivorship period after cancer treatment is chemo brain. It affects Mm -hmm. so many cancer patients, regardless of what kind of cancer you had. Mm -hmm. And in fact, regardless of whether or not you had chemotherapy. (gasps) I love that you say that. Can I also add one thing before you start? Uh Uh-huh. One other reason I'm really excited we're talking about this is because there's a wonderful gal on Instagram who I was just talking to about this and she thinks she has ADHD, but she didn't have chemo. But she did have radiation. She has tongue cancer, had, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, we were talking about it and I was like, it could be trauma too. Like going through so much trauma where your yep. brain is short circuiting a little bit. And also she did have some brain radiation. So it could be connected to that as well. But if you tell me that trauma has something to do with it, I'm going to take that doctorate degree. I'm going to take ding, that ding, PhD. Ding. Yeah. Here, here's where, here's where we play. Um, the the graduation song what is it pomp and circumstance do 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 we meet dr amy dials cancer for breakfast school of medicine all right um okay so the research i did was mainly from an article in very well health by lisa fayed and a paper called Cognitive Effects of Cancer and Its Treatment at the Intersection of Aging by Jean Mandelblatt. And I will, of course, link both of those in the show notes. So um, chemo brain, just loosely, is cognitive decline or dysfunction after chemo. That's that's what cancer patients are referring to when we talk about it. Um, But the secret is it's not just after chemo. The cause is pretty hotly debated. Its existence is actually pretty hotly debated. Like you said, Amy, not all doctors even believe that chemo brain is a thing, um, Mm -hmm. which is a huge bummer because, as you said, also, or at least intimated, women do tend to be disbelieved by their medical professionals, especially when they talk about mental or cognitive changes. Um, They're often written off as just like normal aging things. 
mm-hmm. when they're not and they could be treated and dealt with um, to enable the patient to have a better quality of life. Um, so there's little concrete evidence about it because research is just not very abundant. Mm-hmm. But basically what you're looking at with chemo brain is memory loss, concentration problems, loss of focus. And all of these symptoms are very, very similar to those of ADHD or ADD. Mm -hmm. There are no approved treatments for chemo brain, um, but some doctors who are willing to walk with patients down this road and take them seriously and try to improve their quality of life are prescribing stimulants. So those are ADHD meds. Adderall, Ritalin, Concerta, mm-hmm. Vyvanse, because the symptoms are so, so similar to mm. ADHD symptoms. Um, and the problem with getting your doctor to take this seriously is that patients often score normally on those like memory tests mm. and stuff that your doctor will give you. Yeah. Um, patients also typically have normal brain scans. If mm-hmm. if they're allowed to go that far down the diagnosis road. And so it's it's a hard thing to explain to your medical professionals that it's not memory loss across the board. It's just this kind of loss of cognitive function that happens sometimes. Yeah, that makes um, total sense to me. I can't I can't just have chemo brain right now. You know, like it really is so sporadic. I think if I took a test, a memory test or something, I don't necessarily know if I would mess it up. But like it is just like a mix up of words here and there where yeah. like, I'll mean to say the refrigerator, but I'll say the microwave or I'll try to find the word for refrigerator and I pause for 10 seconds. Yep. And then I find it, you know. Anyway, go on. So you were totally right. When you said that it could be trauma related, they are finding that there could be a lot of different reasons for people to have chemo brain after cancer treatment. And like I said, it's not all down to chemotherapy itself. So even Mm -hmm. patients who didn't have chemo are reporting um, all of these same symptoms and also are reporting being helped by stimulants. So... Mm -hmm. Some of the things that they are attributing, quote unquote, chemo brain to um, are potentially inflammation in your body, Mm -hmm. oxidative stress, which is when you don't Mm -hmm. have enough antioxidants, um, Mm -hmm. DNA damage, just Mm -hmm. generally speaking, either because of cancer in your body or because of treatments, um, neurotoxicity decreased blood flow and then also things like depression sleep Mm -hmm. problems and anemia Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people it's probably several of these right um definitely trauma is going to lead to depression to sleep problems and i think that that is going to be something that you find in the vast majority of cancer patients whether they're Mm -hmm. out of treatment or still in treatment And then all of these other things, you know, anemia, like just (laughs) anybody who's ever looked at their their lab results in my chart knows that your blood counts get so weird. Mm -hmm. And it's not the kind of thing that you can be like, 
I feel tired. I am anemic. You know, it's just this weird constellation of things like your neutrophils are weird and your Mm -hmm. platelets are weird. And all of these things coalesce to give you some kind of nebulous problem. Mm -hmm. And so all of this stuff can create these cognitive changes, these memory problems that we call chemo brain. And so um, not like cancer patients need to watch their language or whatever, because we've created all of these like funny shorthand words for what we experience, like skin anxiety and chemo brain and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but having a real diagnosis would be great, a real term that we can use to explain what we're going through, because I don't have technically, you know, chemotherapy, but I also have these same cognitive mm-hmm. changes. So. I am glad to see that at least some doctors are are taking it seriously. There's still a huge stigma around prescribing stimulants because they can be habit forming. Mm-hmm. They are controlled substances. Mm-hmm. And so some doctors just don't want to prescribe them, um, yeah. which sucks. But right. um, some of the suggestions for getting your doctor to take you seriously that I read in this article are keeping a journal of the times that this happens, which which is Mm -hmm. so funny to like suggest to somebody who's having memory problems. I know. I was just thinking, (laughs) do you see me kind of like look up like uh, doing a half eye roll? Like, uh, yeah, sure. I'll keep a journal. Right. Like, I guess maybe the the notes function on your phone. I just forgot the word for refrigerator. Where were you? I was in the kitchen. It was seven o'clock at night. Like I had a banana before. Like what, what, what the fuck are we going to? I know. Right. Um, that cracked me up. So I guess like, you know, maybe try to try to keep like voice notes or something when it happens. If you're able to do that, I have no idea. Um, when you think of them and you can remember to write down questions that you have for your doctor, because I do um, all the time. Yeah. Because one thing is that they have found chemo brain really does affect stressful situations more. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling stress, you're going to be more forgetful. Totally. So some other things that this article suggests that you do to avoid going down the chemo brain hole is bring a family member to appointments with you Mm -hmm. to validate your experiences. So Mm -hmm. somebody who can say, yes, she really does forget words frequently, even if she is scoring Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10 on this memory test. (laughs) I thought you meant meant to validate your experiences. So when you get home, you could be like, my surgeon totally dismissed (laughs) me. And they could be like, they did. Doesn't he? He he does have a weird, weird demeanor, doesn't he? It's not just me. Wasn't he standing very close to me for it being a pandemic? I mean, I know we were masked. Okay, go on. You can just tell he has evil eyes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the last one is to be honest about your symptoms. We don't want to seem like we're weak. We want to be, you know, with it and together. Nobody wants to be experiencing memory problems. Nobody wants to forget words. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be... um, you know, like not able to keep a schedule and stuff. All of these things mm-hmm. are really fucking embarrassing. And um, especially if you're like a younger person and you yeah. suddenly feel less capable, um, you don't want to appear sick. And yeah. so I think some of us will mask some of these things, but you have to be honest with the people in your life and your doctors and stuff 
that you are having these changes because Mm -hmm. it's not your fault. It's your fucked up body. (laughs) And there are things to do to help you. Um, Yeah. So talk to your doctor about what you're going through and maybe they will be willing to um, prescribe something for you if that's something you're interested in. But there are also some, you know, just like memory building exercises you can do. Right. Um, I've heard that playing Tetris is helpful. Doing crossword puzzles is helpful. You know, like all of these. Listening to our podcast. <laughs> That's right. Just sparks all these brain light ups for you. <laughs> um, I will say if you're listening to this and you haven't done chemo yet or you're new to your cancer diagnosis and this is freaking you the hell out. As someone who does suffer from a bit of the chemo brain, like. It's I don't find it to be debilitating. It doesn't make me feel terrible about myself. Like it's weird. I think I would think before it happened to me that it would feel like heartbreaking, like I'm different or I don't want anything to change me. It's like I don't feel different. I'm still me. I mean, I'm clearly sharp as a whip. Oh, you're yes. listening to how how sharp I still am. <laughs> um but, you know, it's not like you can't you know, remember your aunt's name or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're not so, like a bumbling fool, but, you know, maybe no. you're like an attorney or something and you can't, you know, you need a little zhuzh on your... Yeah. During the work day. Totally. And I am an attorney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to say one more thing, and what's hilarious is I'm forgetting it. <laughs> no. Oh, well, it actually is kind of nice to... Do you hear my cat meowing? No. Come on. It is nice to to be able to blame your crap on something, though, sometimes. I'm not going to lie. It's that cancer card thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, just whatever. I've got some chemo brain. Leave me alone. Stacy, I have chemo brain. Don't meow. (laughs) I have it worse than you. (laughs) Anyway. Well, yeah. So listen up, folks. Season two has begun. We have Cancer for Bitch Fest coming up. We're accepting letters about any topic, but also keep in mind that Cancer for Bitch Fest episode is coming, which is a real fun one. You may bitch about anything, complain about this um, truckload of crap you're dealing with. That's right. Air your grievances. And um, they don't have to be long either. One liners, we'll take them. So um, hit hit us with your best shot. Nothing is too shallow. Nothing is too deep. Um, yeah, there will be no gratitude on that <laughs> Thanksgiving episode that That's will right. be coming out later in November. That's true. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Anything else we should tack on? Um, I um, mean, you know, send us an email, cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. We got our Apple 100th. Uh, five star review. Oh no, we actually got our ninety ninth five star review because the the other one is a two star review. We have one two star review and ninety nine five star reviews. That's right. So poo poo on you, two star reviewer, and we love you. Know, you. you know it was another cancer person. Only another cancer person would be that mean to every. You know, everyone else is like, oh, cancer people. I'm not going to be mean to them. It's true. It's true. Right. <laughs> cancer Kathy's, we call them. That's Just right. kidding. We don't know. I mean, it it might have been my mom, being like, she's getting a little <laughs> she high needs on to her. Call me back. 
success. <laughs> um, okay, and then I will remind folks that Claws Out Nail Polish has given us a color that is awesome, and it's called F Cancer. We'll link to that in the show notes, too. Buy this shit for your friends for the holidays as a gift to any of your cancer besties because you know what? She is donating. Claws Out is donating 20% of every single bottle of that beautiful color to our podcast. It's true. And it's a gorgeous color. I'm wearing it right now. It's super wearable. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yes. Thank you, Claws Out. It's like a deep purplish um what is this called it's like a I'm wearing it as well berry color it's yes it is such a rich berry color um i love it it actually matches my sweatshirt perfectly right now i wish you could see me <laughs> i'm nailing it um all right well thank you all so much for listening um right yeah see you next time boy Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. so much for listening thanks for listening